This is section 33 of Mark Twain Speaking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Political Speech Republican Rally, Hartford Opera House, October 26, 1880 Read by John Greenman Friends say to me, What do you mean by this? You swore off from lecturing years ago. Well, that is true. I did reform, and I reformed permanently, too. But this ain't a lecture. It's only a speech, nothing but a mere old cut-and-dried impromptu speech. And there's a great moral difference between a lecture and a speech, I can tell you. For when you deliver a lecture, you get good pay. But when you make a speech, you don't get a cent. You don't get anything at all from your own party, and you don't get anything out of the opposition but a noble, good supply of infamous episodes in your own private life, which you hadn't heard of before, a scorching lot of facts about your private rascalities and scoundrelisms, which is brand new to you, all good enough stuff for by and by, when you get ready to write your autobiography, but of no immediate use to you, further than to show you what you could have become if you had attended strictly to business. I have never made but one political speech before this. That was years ago. I made a logical, closely reasoned, compact, powerful argument against a discriminating and iniquitous tax, which was about to be imposed by the opposition. I may say I made a most thoughtful, symmetrical, and admirable argument. But a Michigan newspaper editor answered it, refuted it, utterly demolished it, by saying I was in the constant habit of horse-whipping my great-grandmother. I should not have minded it so much. Well, I don't know that I should have minded it at all, a little thing like that, if he had said I did it for her good. But when he said I merely did it for exercise, I felt that such a statement as that was almost sure to cast a shadow over my character. However, I don't mind these things particularly. It is the only intelligent and patriotic way of conducting a campaign. I don't mind what the opposition say of me, so long as they don't tell the truth about me. But when they descend to telling the truth about me, I consider that that is taking an unfair advantage. Why should we be bitter against each other? Such of us, of both parties, as are not ashamed of being Americans. But perhaps I have said enough by way of preface. I am going to vote the Republican ticket myself from old habit, but what I am here for is to try to persuade you to vote 
the democratic ticket because if you throw the government of this country into the hands of the republicans they will unquestionably kill that wood tariff project but if you throw this government into the hands of the democrats the wood tariff project will become the law of the land and every one of us will reap his share of the enormous benefits resulting from it there will be nothing sectional about it its wholesome generosities are as all-embracing as the broad and general atmosphere the north the south the east the west will all have their portion of those benefactions consider the south share for instance with a tariff for revenue only and no tariff for protection she will not be obliged to carry on a trade with us of the north and pay northern prices no she can buy of england duty-free at far cheaper rates the price of her cotton will remain as before but the cost of producing will be vastly diminished and the profit vastly increased wealth will pour in on her in such a deluge that she will not know what to do with the money in time she will be able to buy and sell the north will the south cast a solid vote for the wood tariff bill i am glad to believe yes to know that the south will stand by our senator eaton to a man in this great and good cause and think of our share in the benefits of the wood tariff some of our people sit up and cry all night for joy when they think of them they've raised the rivers here with their tears joyful tears and dissipated the malaria and i wish they'd keep on crying it is the only efficient sewerage we've ever had our first and chiefest benefit from the wood tariff will be that we shan't have any more factory smoke statistics on file in the war department show that more people's eyes are injured by factory smoke in a year than by any other agent statistics i've come loaded with statistics for i've noticed that a man can't prove anything without statistics no man can senator eaton himself can't prove anything without statistics or with them or whichever it is i don't remember which it is now but i know it is one or the other of them for i had it all thought out once statistics statistics why statistics are more precious and useful than any other one thing in this world except whiskey i i, I mean hymn books uh, this comes of trusting to inspiration instead of sticking to the cold text a man can ruin himself that way making a public speech statistics in the navy department 
show that if the factory smoke were done away with there would be a saving to the north every year of over two hundred thousand dollars in diminished wash bills alone and that the washerwoman who is today able to support her husband and children in free-handed plenty at the tub would have to come down to wages that would not only benefit her health and strength by requiring her to work nights as well as days but would enable you and me to fairly wallow in dissipations which are denied to us now by the grinding tyranny of the weekly wash bill statistics in the interior department show that factory smoke causes more profanity to the square mile than any other known agent except the book agent statistics in the department of justice show that with the departure of factory smoke the factory workmen would depart also of necessity they and their wives and children and get what they need and what their honest hard work has earned for them a good long soul-satisfying holiday nothing in the world to do but lie around in comfort and enjoy themselves and while they were having holidays and a good time the rest of the people would be vastly benefited too for occasionally when you needed a capable man to do some work for you you could get him for half a dollar a day you could have your pick and choice then but you can't now for there is more work and money than men so they are in a position to come or not just as they please for a man can be as independent and as much his own master free and untrammeled on enough as he can be on fifty thousand times enough it is only when you cut him below enough that he ceases to be independent and can neither ante nor pass the buck as the prophet says and so of course you raise him and raise him and raise him till you raise him out as the poet says and it's no trick for you to do it because you hold a flush against his two pair and a jack i trust i make myself understood yes you can get men exceeding cheap then in the good time that is coming when the democratic tariff bill goes through and our architecture will improve too for we shall have the stateliest kind of poor houses all around and everywhere they'll be so thick that the worst marksman here couldn't miss them with an old-fashioned allen's revolver and ten percent of the population will be in them and just as comfortable and contented as angels why you can even save on pew-rent then pew-rent will go down to next to nothing and the poorest sinner can have a place to sleep and real estate oh, think of that you can buy a corner lot then 
for less than it costs you to buy a grave now. Of course, you'll need the grave more then, but never mind that. That's a matter of detail. You'll take which you please. I'm not trying to dictate. I'm only using the thing as an illustration. And you can build a house then, cheaper than you can bury a man today. And there's more satisfaction in it, too, unless you can pick your man. You can keep a carriage then, for less than it costs you to keep a wheelbarrow now. And bigamy, think of that. Bigamy will be cheaper then than monogamy is now. There's a million arguments, but I've only got all night to talk in, so I must leave most of them out. The tyrannous unequal values of today will disappear, and real estate on the ground and real estate in a cart will be the same price, fifteen cents a cubic yard. And that is right. That is just. Try to make me believe there's differences in dirt, with my familiarity with it, that one kind of dirt is worth more than another kind, that even the best dirt is worth more than fifteen cents a yard? <laughs> no, sir. I think it's high. And in place of the confusion and noise of today and the unsightly mud, the streets of the North will slumber in a soothing Sabbath calm, restful to the weary spirit, and be adorned with soft, rich carpets of grass, a solace to the eye and a satisfaction to the foot. The odious law which today deprives us of the improving elevating, humanizing society of the tramp will be swept from the statute book by the tramp himself. For we shall all be tramps then, and can outvote anything that can be devised to hamper us, and give the opposition long odds too. Once more we shall see our old ragged tourists moving in eternal procession from house to house, disdaining bread and demanding pie at the butt-end of the club. Immigration will cease, the emigration will take its place, and we shall all be benefited, because we shall pack up and go to countries where we can get fifty-five cents a day, and feed on meat four times a month and we can stretch forth a helping hand to revered old england in this her time of heavy distress she was our enemy in the war days and did all she could to injure us and cripple us and insult us but she stands ready to be our friend now and it is our duty and should be our pleasure to forgive and forget and meet her with the kiss of love and peace. She is ready to be our friend. Yes, more than ready. She is eager. She is anxious to be our friend. And all she asks for this is that we shall pass the wood tariff bill 
and so give her famishing factories a magnificent new lease of life and her whole people a rousing prosperity such as they have not known for years a prosperity which will amply make up for all she is losing through her land troubles in ireland and by the generous might of the great democratic party we will pass this bill and fall weeping upon the grateful bosom of our old suffering motherland we will say you fitted out pirates against us but we forgive you you cheated us out of one pirate after we had thrashed him in fair fight and had a just and righteous mortgage on him but we forgive you you connived secretly with louis napoleon for our overthrow but we forgive you you feasted and honored and sheltered our enemies and obstructed our friends and sneered at them but we forgive you you have been the irishman's hard master at home for seven hundred years and you will be his hard master now in america but no matter he forgives you and we forgive you all and everything and you shall have your wood tariff bill which you urge upon us with an eloquence which moves even the unsentimental among us to say take our forges take our factories take our prosperities take all we have only say we are the one utterly loving generous forgiving forgetting magnanimous nation that graces the earth yes let her say that to us and remove the troublesome factory smoke and it is all we ask for the one great central idea of this presidential battle is not which is the better man of the two it is not war or peace it is not religion it is not sectional supremacy it is not national honor national glory no it is none of these it is factory smoke it all turns on factory smoke other matters are trifling they are nothing the supreme and only question is who will rid us of the factory smoke only rid us of the factory smoke and you rid us of everything else and on top of it we win england's imperishable gratitude now i beseech you lay aside all private selfishness and mere considerations of bread and high wages and go to the polls vote the good old democratic ticket and clear this murky northern atmosphere of its all-pervading clouds of suffocating factory smoke then we will all knock off and have a good permanent holiday and a general good time vote your full strength for our three great and good democratic standard-bearers english of connecticut english of indiana and the english 
on the other side of the water for this fight is an english fight pure and simple all the family are in it and there's nothing else to it i would vote that ticket myself but i have grown old in republican sin and it is too late to reform now i have spoken somewhat fantastically but no matter these fantastic trappings are hung around as solid and real a truth as any one can utter and it is a truth which not any of us can afford to whistle down the wind or scoff at or ignore or banish out of our minds unexamined and undigested for in plain simple terms it involves our actual bread and meat and no amount of fine talk and cooked-up statistics can take away from it that stern and ominous fact i will close these remarks with a fable once there was a community of happy and prosperous sparrows living in a pleasant wood near a lake in a wood on the other side of the lake lived a community of cuckoos you know no doubt the grasping and piratical habits of the cuckoo well these cuckoos were always crossing the lake and trying to get a chance to lay their eggs in the sparrows nests so that the industrious sparrows would have to go to the trouble and expense of hatching and rearing their young for them but there was a prohibitory protective tariff which the cuckoos could not manage to get around that is to say there was a family of eagles living near the sparrows and before a cuckoo could get in with her eggs she had to pay a high duty that is to say the eagles ate her up along with her eggs that sort of a tariff had the effect of persuading the cuckoos to stay at home but by and by certain of the sparrows grew discontented and began to complain they said this tariff is too exorbitant it hampers our prosperity what we need is a tariff for revenue only this wood is pleasant but if we had a wood tariff it would be pleasanter for then the cuckoos would come over and eggs would be ever so much cheaper and plentier than they are now eggs would be dirt cheap and we should all have just as many as we wanted this idea began to spread around and pretty soon more than half of the sparrows were enthusiastic over it so they went into power at the next election and the first thing they did was to go forth in their strength and disable the eagles that removed the protective tariff then they passed their wood tariff with great rejoicings straight away sure enough the cuckoos swarmed over from the other side of the lake flocked past the eagles dismantled custom-house duty-free and laid their eggs in the sparrows nests the prophecy had come true there was an abundance of eggs and an apparent prodigious prosperity but things did not remain so bright 
the sparrows found that they had to hatch out those eggs a heavy job but when it was done they had a still heavier one before them for they had to feed the little cuckoos too as well as their own little birds for the cuckoo never helps the cuckoo only furnishes the eggs that is all so the poor sparrows had to work double tides and yet all the real profit went to the cuckoo tribe for the little cuckoos were strong and voracious and they gobbled nine-tenths of every bite that came into the nest wherefore they waxed stronger day by day whilst the starving little sparrows waxed weaker and weaker and at last the natural result came about the powerful young cuckoos seeing that they were boss of the situation kicked the young sparrows out of the nests and took entire possession it was about this time that the community of sparrows rose up as one bird and remarked we are but mortal we are but sparrows and shall live to do many unwise things yet but the next time anybody beguiles us with a tariff for revenue only he will have to get up at a particularly early hour in the morning end of political speech read by john greenman